Last week, uh, I thought Pastor gave a very good message on worship. Don't you? How many were here last week and heard that message on worship? He talked about why worship matters. Why worship matters. And it really does matter. He told us that worship should matter to us because it matters to God. It's important to God, so wouldn't you think it would be important to us? It should be important to us. And he told us why worship matters. And the Lord just dropped in my spirit this week uh, to follow up on that message with how worship matters. How worship matters. And this, this, this theme uh, or this message of worship I know was a, a tremendous burden on Pastor Phil. And I'll tell you how I know that. It's because he had already planned another series he already planned some messages and things like that um, that he was going to do and, and I was going to help him with and we were going to do and uh, God just changed course. How many know that sometimes you're going one way and you're in the will of God? It's not that you're not in God's will, but you're in God's will going one way and he'll tap you on the shoulder and just adjust your course. And our job is not to look out to say how we need to adjust the course. Our job is to feel the tap on the shoulder and be obedient to the way that God takes us to the way that God takes us. And that's what uh, I believe God did with Pastor last week in taking us on this journey of worship, on this journey of worship. Now, let me say this about worship. Every time I worship, every time I enter in, truly enter into worship, God speaks to me. I can never say that there's been a time when I really have entered into worship that God has not spoken to me. He does every single time we will surrender ourselves to him. And it's amazing to me how many people want something from the Lord or want God to speak to them, but don't spend very much time with him. I found that in my own life. You know, there have been times when I've prayed and said, God, why is this continuing to go on? Why have you not spoken to me about this? Why, uh, you know, are we in this situation and it continues on and you haven't changed it? And then I look back and I look at my prayer life and I look at my uh, alone time with God and it hasn't been very much there. And he said, the answer's been here the whole time. Where have you been? Where are you? You're out trying to figure it out. Reminds me of that scripture uh, in Revelation. Before I, I say that, I want you to do two things for me if you can. If you have your Bible this morning, if you happen to have a Bible or a e-reader or you know, a long list of other things that you can, iPad, that you can read your Bible on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but this may only work with a traditional Bible. I want you to go to Psalm 73 and put a marker there because we're going to get to there a little bit later. Psalm 73, and I want you to put a marker in Psalm 73. And then, once you have your marker there, you can dog ear the page. Or if you have a bookmark, you can put it there. Or if you got one of those Bibles that has that little string, you know, you can put that. If your dog didn't eat it, put that there. Yeah, oh, you have five. Wow, she has five markers. That, oh, okay. That woman reads her Bible. And once you have a marker there, then go to Exodus chapter 3. That's where we're going to start. Exodus chapter 3. That's where we'll be. Now, go to Exodus, stay there, but it remind, what I'm talking about reminds me of the scripture in Revelation. I think it's around Revelation 3, maybe verse 20, where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know the scripture? And uh, if, you, if you answer the door, if you let me in, I will come in and dine with you. 
and you with me. And that scripture we use as an evangel- evangelical scripture, which is right to do. You know, people uh, if, who don't know the Lord, if you will just ask God into your heart, Jesus said that he will come into your heart. But you know what God showed me with that scripture? It's also for Christians too, because why did he say, I will dine with you? He said, I will dine with you. And he's talking to you and me also saying, listen, even though you're a Christian, even though you belong to me, there's some time that your heart is not open and I'm knocking on your heart. And if you will open it, I will come in. I've already saved you. You already belong to me, but I want to now dine with you. I want to dine with you. And that's what he's telling us. It's a very important verse. We quote it a lot, but we love to come to church and we love to be fed the word of God. But here's where I think many people miss it with that. It's not just about eating or what we're eating, but it's who we're eating with. Who's across the table from you? You see, church is not just that we get a good meal, but that Jesus is sitting right across the table. So it's not about coming and just having service, singing a few songs, taking an offering, hearing someone speak, Maybe we pray at the end and then we go on about our business. Good, we had another day, just like a day at work. That's not what this thing is about. And I think that many, many people miss the message of what Jesus is trying to get across to us as what church is. They look at the message or the sermon as the entree and the worship portion as the appetizer. And that's just not the case. It's all the meal and it all goes together. And I want us to, to help us understand this. I have three simple words, and you can, you can write these down. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. And if you're not taking notes, you can write it down or remember it. <laughs> write it on your heart. <laughs> three things concerning worship, and these are my three points today, and we're going to talk about them. Look, listen, and learn. Look, listen, and learn. Exodus chapter 3, we know this verse of scripture uh, as when, when Moses first talked to God, when God first talked to Moses and made himself known, we call it the burning bush scripture. But Exodus chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, the Bible says this, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord, now in, in most translation, that word angel there is capitalized, and most theologians believe that's talking about Jesus uh, who came to him. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a fire, in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked And behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Verse 5, then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. 
And of course, he went on from there and he talked a lot more to Moses. And uh, in fact, in uh, verses uh, chapter three, I believe chapter four and uh, maybe even chapter five, God talked to Moses. He really spoke to him. So Moses spent a lot of time in the presence of the Lord at that moment. First one here is look. When I say look, God showed me with this is I'm not talking about glance at the Lord. I don't mean a fleeting glance. Moses walked by. He didn't just glance at the bush. So when we begin to sing and worship, what I believe God wants us to do is turn aside from everything that's in our mind. Turn aside from all the things that we went through this past week. Turn aside from even those things that are on our mind from this morning or things that we have to do this coming week or even after church. Turn aside from all of that, from whatever is on your mind, and look at God. That's why when we sing about God, we sing about his greatness and we sing about exalting him because we're supposed to be looking on him. He said, don't look to the left or to the right. But look at me, God says. We exalt him, not glance, but look. Now, I want to give you another word when I say look that will help us a little more get across, I believe, what God is talking about when he says look at us or look at him, for us to look at him. And that word is focus. I want you to focus on me. You notice in our worship time this morning, and we're worshiping even now as we uh, break bread, but in our, our singing time, in our worship time this morning, I believe the presence of the Lord was here, and the presence of the Lord was here so thick. And I believe the reason for that is because we were focused as a congregation on God. We were not focused about our shortcomings or our brother or our sister's shortcomings or who offended us last week. Or who we offended last week. We weren't worried about all of those things, but we were focused on God. And when you focus on God, His Spirit will be there and His presence will be there. You see, everything that we do in the service should be about God. Everything that we do, whether we're singing, whether you're playing guitar, whether we're giving offering whether we're greeting one another, whether we're praying, no matter what it is, everything we do should be about God. Last week, we took communion. And even when we take communion, it's a time of worship. We, we had the elements there. We had the bread and we had uh, what represented Jesus' body and the wine, which represented his blood. Those were the elements. When they went by and when we took those, we glanced at the elements but we focused on God and we focus on the purpose that we're there. God wants us to focus on him. Let me say it another way. Let's not be ADD worshipers. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to speak ADD over anyone, but we don't want to be ADD worshipers. I have a friend at, at work uh, who's a friend of, you know, our coworker of ours at work and I'll tell you, she is a person that if you're going to say anything to her, it better be in seven words or less. Otherwise, she's moved on in her mind to something else. 
You know, I remember one time she called me down to her office, to her cubicle, and she had a question on something, and you know, I was looking at these numbers and all this, and can you tell me what this means? And uh, I've been in this position longer than her, and so I said, yeah, you know, you haven't come across this yet, and I began to explain to her what this was. Well, during my explanation, she began to type on her computer. And I thought maybe she was taking notes or she was actually doing what I was telling her to do. And, you know, she was typing on her computer. So I got done with my explanation. You know, I wanted to go back to my own office, but I was waiting for her to respond to say, okay, thank you. I I got it. Or I didn't understand that or something. I'm just looking at her and she's just looking at her computer typing. And finally, she looked up at me as if I had not been standing there for the last 10 minutes. Like, what are you doing here? I said, boy, I said, I don't want to speak it over you, but it could be a little ADD. I don't know. I was listening to another guy talk about how he took his son in to be tested for this ADD. And uh, he's in Texas, in, in Fort Worth, Texas, and he took his son in and uh, to be tested. And the person during the, doing the testing called them back to the office after the test was over. And uh, the person had a beautiful office. They were up on the fifth floor with windows looking out over, uh, I think he said it was a Trinity River in Fort Worth. And uh, I was looking out over the river and he looked out at that. And the person doing the testing looked at this man and said, listen, has there been any history of ADD in your family? And right then he looked looked out the window and said, look, that guy caught a fish. And she said, I'll take that as a yes. (laughs) Well, God does not want us to be ADD worshipers. How many know it's so easy to come into a time of worship and to be distracted? You know, it's a a simple thing to be distracted. That's one of the, the things that the enemy will do to us is he'll distract us with good things and bad things. I mean, there's been times when I've been in worship and we may have gone through a whole song and I might have to lean over to my wife and say, what song was that we just sang? Because my wife, my wife, my mind was on a whole nother thing. (laughs) It was somewhere else, you know, and it's so easy for us to be distracted during worship. But God does not want us to be ADD worshipers. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. You can stay right there in Exodus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, remember this word mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same glory. Into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I want you to think about this when you look in the mirror. Now, some of you may say, I don't, really don't want to look in the mirror. and You know, I just want to glance. I don't want to look in the mirror. But usually what we do is we look in a mirror with intent. And the reason we do that is to make sure there's nothing on our face. And, you know, we want to change that image into what we want it to be. Presentable, don't we? Well, that's the way it is with God. It's like looking into a mirror and he will transform us into the image that we want to become. But you have to be in his presence in order to do that. I mean, you'll never know what you need to change to be presentable if you don't look into the mirror. And so we will never know how God wants to transform us if we don't look into the mirror, if we don't get into his presence, if we don't focus on him. It's worship. It's what he's talking about. He wants us to worship him. There are a couple of places in scripture that talk about how we change, that I know of, I've come across, that talk about how we change. The Bible calls it uh, the glory of God or beholding his glory and he will change us. That, that's worship. 
And then the, the Word of God is a mirror to us. So if we can get into the Word of God and read it and study it, it will transform us, wash us with the water of the Word. So we need to look intently. And when you look intently at the Word, you look intently during worship, you're changed into His image in His presence. How many of our people come into a service and they're burdened and they're weighed down and don't really focus on God? Yet they sit through the song service waiting for the meal, and the meal is right there in front of them. Jesus said, I want to come in and dine with you right now. Yes, I will speak to your heart in a moment, but I need to dine with you. The reason for this is because we're not serving a formula. We serve the Almighty God. We serve someone that wants to have a relationship with us. And too often we're trying too many formulas. How do I get over by this formula and saying this three times? Or, you know, I just got to believe and, you know, all of those things. And listen, God is saying, first of all, you just got to know me. <laughs> That's what you have to do. Know me. Come talk to me. I'll teach you the things that you don't know. Don't worry about that. But it's about relationship. So number one, look. Number two, listen. Listen. You see, in verse 2, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a burning bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And it says, Then Moses said, I will now turn aside this, to see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw, now I don't know if you've ever seen this when you've read this verse of Scripture, but in verse 4 it says, So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the bush. God waited until he had Moses' attention to speak. He waited until Moses turned aside to look at him until he began to talk to him. And I know you probably like me, I used to do this with my children and still do sometimes. When I really want them to understand what I'm trying to say, I say, look at me. Look at me. You ever done that with your kids or have your parents done that with you? <laughs> look at me. I know my mom has. Look, look at me. Because I know I want their attention so that they will get an understanding. I don't want them to glance and go, oh yeah, and then later come and go, what was that you wanted me to do? No, look at me. And that's what God is saying to us. Look at me. And then I'll give them instructions. I wonder if all of us that want to hear from God, we need a word of God, word from the Lord for our family or our finances or our, our purpose in life. We're waiting to hear from him. wonder if God is waiting for us to turn aside and look at him until he speaks to us. And we are thinking, well, God doesn't speak to me. I had one of my friends say that. You know, I was traveling with him and uh, we, we got to talking about the Lord, and he said, well, you know, God doesn't speak to me. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I'm being honest. I just, you know, I pray, and it just doesn't seem like God speaks to me. And I just wonder if God is waiting for him to look and focus before he speaks. It's amazing how much we want to hear God's voice, yet how little time we spend with him. Because in his presence, he speaks. 
Let me show you a few verses of Scripture about his presence. We're waiting for a, for a booming, and that's what the world does. They're waiting for a booming voice from the sky. Well, that's Old Testament. God now has filled us with his spirit, and he's waiting for us to turn aside. A few present scriptures. Psalm 100, verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now, God said that. God wants all of us to sing, even if you're not a great singer. Now, he doesn't want all of us to be on the worship team. You know, that's a gift. <laughs> but he wants all of us to sing in his presence. Come before me and sing. He sings over us. Did you know that? What scripture is that, Didi? Zephaniah, I believe it's Zephaniah 5, either 4 or 5. It says, God sings over us. And so he wants us to come into his presence with singing. Look at Psalm 9.3. It says, when my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your what? At your presence. It's the presence of God that turns your enemies away. We want to do it by ourselves, Or we want to send God over somewhere to do it. God, go over and do this and do that. No, he said, you come into my presence. You know what it's like? It's like being on a foreign land. I was watching a movie the other day. And... Uh, this guy was, was on a foreign land. I believe he was in South Africa. And he was running from some people. And he was running, and then all of a sudden he saw the American embassy and with the American flag. And he, he ran to the embassy, and these guys that were chasing him, once he got on American soil, then they couldn't touch him. He was protected by all the sovereignty of his home country. Well, God is saying, look, you're in a, foreign, you're in a strange land. You need to run over here into my presence. You run up under my grace, nothing can touch you. Nothing can harm you. But you need to be in my presence. As long as you're out there in the strange land, well, the prince of this world can attack you. Come to my presence. Psalm 1611, you know this one well. In your presence is the fullness of joy. You ever wonder why sometimes you don't have joy? Well, are you in his presence? Psalm 68, 8. The heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God. You ever felt like you were in a drought spiritually? It's the presence of God that brings the rain. A mountain in your way feels like you just cannot get around it. It's the presence of God that moves mountains. Mount Sinai was moved by his presence. Just by God being there moved the enemies out of the way. Just by him being there. Let me tell you two things about that verse. Blessings come from his presence and mountains are moved by his presence. Blessings come by his presence, not a formula, not a 12-step program, not a Christian uh, three scriptures every day program. It's good to get it in your heart, but I'm telling you, it's his presence. The mountains are moved by his presence. Acts 3.19, and before I read this, it, it says repent right before this. I didn't put that in there, but it says times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You're kind of getting what the theme might be to worship. Might be his presence is there. His presence is here to heal. 
I often pray, God, let your healing hand be in this room today. Anyone that needs healing, heal them by the touch of your hand. And God is saying, yes, I will do that. But guess what? It's just my presence. All I have to do is be there. You want to know why? Because God doesn't heal. It's not a a, a performing act that he does. God is healing. If he's there and his presence is there, then healing is there. God just doesn't deliver you as an act, like he comes running like the Calvary and picks you up out of something. No, just his presence being there. Then you're delivered. Just being in his presence. That's all you have to do. Think about the prodigal son. When he was out in the world, he was in trouble. But when he came back, his father didn't do anything but just bring him into his presence. He's still a son. Put a ring on his finger and a robe around him. In his presence is the fullness of joy. You see, we need God's presence. We need God's presence. I believe whenever we have meetings at church, whenever you have a praise team rehearsal, whenever we have elders meetings, or we, we need to pray. We need to worship God. You know, when the elders pray for your requests, it's not just a simple prayer. You know, I've been in those meetings where we, we give requests and then the elders and pastor will get together and we take those requests and we pray over them. And you know what? It's not just that we get together and say, okay, well, we got three things here. Okay, Lord, bless this one, uh, heal that one, and uh, touch that one. And all right, let's go breakfast. Let's go get something to eat. No, it's not a thing like that. I mean, we enter into God's presence. We tarry and we pray for your requests. You want to know Why? It's not because we can move the hand of God by much praying, but it's because when his presence is there, all of those enemies of all of those requests will be scattered. It's his presence. Present. So we need to look or focus on him. We need to listen. And then here's number three. We need to learn. Remember God told Moses, he said, take your sandals off for the place where you stand is holy. Let me tell you the first thing you learn in the presence of God is that anything God touches is holy. Anything he touches is holy. That's the first thing. And Moses learned a lot more than that as he was in the presence of God. Learned a lot more than just because he he continued to talk to God after that. Most of you may know this, but Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Do you know that? Wrote the first five books. Do you know when Exodus 3 happened? When it took place? It was 2,500 years after creation that this took place. That he's speaking to God. That God comes to him in a burning bush. 2,500 years after creation. Now think about this. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus died on the cross. And this was longer than that. 2,500 years after creation comes Exodus 3. Okay, how could Moses write the first five books of the Bible? 2,500 years of history other than being in God's presence. How could he write about the seven days of creation? How could he write about Adam and Eve? How could he write about Abraham and Noah? How could he write about other these things? Other than he spent time with God. Spent time in his presence. And God began to teach him things. There's not a time that you are truly in God's presence that he won't speak to you. See, Psalm 103.7 says, He made known 
his ways. God wants to make known his ways to you. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. Now, something about this verse of scripture, isn't it interesting? And and do you see the difference here? He made known his ways to Moses, but he made known his acts to the children of Israel. Let me say it another way. He made known what he did to the children of Israel. He made known why he did it to Moses. You may say, well, Moses was special because he was chosen. Well, no, God said, let all the people come to the mountain. Go back and read it. God said, let all the people come to the mountain. Let all the people come. And you know what the people said? They said, no, 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 we've seen this. You, you go up there and you tell us what he's saying. And, and that's what we do sometimes in church. No, pastor, you go and you go into the Holy of Holies and you do all that and you, and then come back and tell us what God is saying. I'll go over here and do my thing and then I'll come to church on Sunday and I'll even come a little bit late so I can miss all of that singing stuff and maybe I'll miss offering too and then I'll come and, uh, and uh, I'll see what God has to say through the pastor. That's what we do sometimes. But God said, let all the people come to the mountain. Let every one of you come and see what I have for you. Come into the presence of God. Now, Go to Psalm 73. Let me read you another passage of Scripture, and then we'll turn to Psalm 73. Get over there. Uh, But while you're turning there, I don't want you to to miss this. Exodus 33, verse 7, says this. It says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, called it the tabernacle of meeting. came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose. Each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man at his Tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. I am a friend of God. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, doesn't mean he was a son of nobody. His dad was actually named Nun. A young man did not depart from the tabernacle couple of things to mention here. Joshua knew that if there was a wisp of that cloud left, I wanted to be there. I'm staying here because I saw how God talked to Moses as a friend and I want some of that. I don't want to be like others who just want to let him go in there and talk to God and then just tell me what God is saying. I want to also talk to God for myself. I want what he's got. Second thing is it says that God spoke to Moses as with a friend. And Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants. I call you friends. Why? Because servants don't know what their master is going to do. But I want to tell you what I am doing. I want you to be with me when I'm doing it. Jesus took the disciples 
And at first they were saying, Master, Rabbi. But as they developed a relationship with him, they became friends. And then he blew his spirit into them and they went out and did his work. Then later he said, greater works will you do than me because you are my friends. And then he he goes on, but implying that, you know, I want to be your friend. You're not just my servant. Now go to Psalm 73. I know this is kind of a long scripture song. We're going to be finishing up here, but I, I think this is, uh, it's a long passage, but I believe it's important and it's relevant to worship and how we deal with worship. Look at Psalm 73. It says this, it says, truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. Now this is David talking and he's a little discouraged here because he's been through some things. He said, but as for me, now listen closely to what he's saying. My feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Have any of you been there like me? You see the prosperity of the wicked and makes you wonder a little bit. You get a little envious of the boastful. For there are no pangs in their death. Now, of course, there are pangs in the death of the wicked. But this this is about David's perspective at this point. But their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. In other words, they're just overflowing. I hear what you say, Lord, that our barns should be overflowing. But when I look, I see the wicked. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. See David feeling a little sorry for himself? Come on now, I know I've been there. I'm not talking about David because I've been there. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. In other words, they're talking about you, Lord. And their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return here. And the waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? And And is there knowledge in the Most High? Does God not know? That's what he's saying what we're going through? Does he not see the reversal of fortune here? God, what is your deal? Do you not see what's going on? Is there not knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. Nothing bothers them. Got everything going. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. I have done all of these things. I have sought you. I have lived a moral life. I have lived with integrity. I have tried to do what is right. I have repaid my brother. I have asked for forgiveness. I have cleansed my heart in vain. Did you know that David said all this? And wash my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Now look at what he says. If I had said, I will speak this. In other words, if I would have really spoke this out loud, you know, I said all that, but I said that to myself. 
Some of the husbands know what I'm talking about. I said that, but I said it to myself. All right. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. I couldn't understand it. I don't understand this world and how things work. And I don't understand the economy and all of these other things and how there's a Bill Gates and this person and that person and how they're prospering and all that's going on until I went into the house of the Lord. Now I see. Now it is revealed to me the glory of the Lord. Now it is revealed to me that the sufferings of this present time do not even compare, not even worth talking about to the glory that I'm going to be in with the Lord. Doesn't compare. Now I see it. Here's his point. Every one of us can probably relate to this. David's saying here, God, I'm serving you and here's this guy and he's proud and he's arrogant. He shakes his fist at heaven and says, I dare you to show me God or what he can do does all these things. Look at how he's doing. In vain I serve you. Anybody ever felt like that in your life? Feels like I'm serving him in vain. Maybe you don't speak it out loud like David did, but you kind of wonder. And then he said, now when I thought about this, how to explain, how do I explain this? That the godly are having problems and the ungodly are prospering. How do I explain this? And here's what he said. He said, I can't, I could not understand it until I went into the presence of God. Then I understood. Listen, your perspective is changed in the presence of God. When you come into the presence of God, everything will change. It will all change. Listen, when the, when the praise team leader or pastor or preacher, uh, you know, says to you, hey, listen, let's close our eyes right now and let's just worship the Lord, want to pray or whatever it is, or we're going to sing this song and let's just lift our hands or let's just worship God or whatever it may be. They're not trying to manipulate you. Some may think that they're not trying to manipulate you into embarrassing yourself or something like that. But what we're trying to do is get you to focus on God in God's presence that your perspective might be right. That you won't look to the left or the right, but that you would have a right perspective to reflect, to concentrate on God. What is God saying to you? Don't look at worship as just singing. See it as a time to meet with God, to have a vision to hear a word from the Lord, to talk to God and have God talk to you. Not just a one-way conversation, but to have God speak and talk to you. That's what we're trying to do, and that's what God wants you to do. God is drawing you into his presence. 